My name is Ryan Heslaw, and welcome to the Recalibrate Podcast. Each month, we bring you the inspirational stories, experiences, and knowledge of everyday people with a mission to help listeners on their journey of self-discovery. This show was simply created with you in mind. That being said, regardless of where you've been, where you are, where you want to go, or what story you are living, I am so glad you're here. If you find value in today's episode, be sure to connect with me on social media and also be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can be the first to know about future episodes. Thank you in advance for spending some time with me. Let's jump into today's episode. Today we have Dr. Gavin Weir joining us, who is a doctor of physical therapy, certified strength and conditioning specialist, and owner of Method Athletics and Method Power Gym located in Frankfurt, Illinois. He has spent his career devoting time to the growth and development of professional and youth athletes on, as both practitioners of sport and as human beings. Gavin Weir, thank you so much for making the time and coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Of course. Why don't we just start out with sharing with the listeners a little bit about the work you do um, with Method Athletics and now Method Power Gym uh, and everything you got going on over there. Yeah. Uh, so when it comes down to what I do as a practitioner uh, is is I'm an, I'm an expert of movement. So uh, on the both the rehab side with a physical therapy degree and then the performance side with strength, strength and conditioning and the various certifications that I have on that side. Uh, it really comes down to any sort of movement is where my expertise lies. So I help educate youth athletes um, in particular, the majority of my clients and my patients are youth athletes. I help educate them on movement and how to properly perform exercises mm. and uh, kind of modulate their volume that they perform in the gym to improve their performance or get better, get better in terms of like a pain perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, kind of the nitty gritty of what I do is anything related to exercise. Uh, on the other side of things, I'm also a business owner too, like mm-hmm. you said. So uh, I started Method Athletics in October of 2019, which is a private training facility as well as a physical therapy clinic. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a gym environment. Um, we have 1200 square feet of turf in there with a ton of gym of equipment. So it doesn't look like your traditional physical therapy clinic. It's built out specifically for athletes and active individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, So it kind of provides that different environment for Mm -hmm. our clientele. But we opened up in October 2019, really solid success. It kind of blew up from there. There wasn't a whole lot in the area that um, treated youth athletes in the way that they need to be treated. So from that point, we were taking a look at kind of what was needed on the outside of the private training and the physical therapy side, and we opened up Method Power Gym. Uh, so Method Power Gym is just a traditional gym, but it's built for athletes and powerlifters and Olympic mm-hmm. weightlifters. Uh, that's another one of my hobbies is powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten really, really into just getting stronger as opposed to bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that kind of has given me a sense of purpose in terms mm-hmm. of exercise. But that's where we're sitting at now is mm-hmm. uh, I have that two-sided um, double-faced kind of my career where I'm both a business owner and a healthcare practitioner. Right. And I I wanted to ask you too, when you were actually pursuing a career as a physical therapist, did you have any inclination that you were eventually going to be a business owner and actually turn this into something more than just um, maybe working with a group agency organization or whatever, or a clinic, and that was going to be it, uh, where you maybe you'd work under someone or something around those lines versus actually going out there and starting method, method athletics and everything else you got going on. Cause it's incredible 
incredibly impressive to see in just such a short period of time what you have achieved. So, you know, when did Method Athletics come into play with that being something that you wanted to pursue? Mm -hmm. I, I think that's one thing in the comment there as well is I, I think there's a lot going on right now, but there, the point to remember too is that 50% of any new business fails within its first year. So right. we're still within that group. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot that is riding on making sure that we're doing things right. And mm -hmm. I'm incredibly focused on that. But when it goes to opening up uh, a business, a clinic, going off and doing my own thing, um, it, it there was never a distinct point where I said, hey, this is what I want to do and this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. It kind of just grew over time. Uh, it began first while I was getting my doctorate down in St. Louis with, uh, with Wash U. And I was, I was talking with a, one of my athletes. I was, I was coaching powerlifting at mm -hmm. the time. I was talking with one of my athletes, and we were kind of going back and forth about developing a little bit more of a brand associated with what I was doing. Um, so I was coaching a group of guys, just generally giving technique recommendations, writing out their programming, that sort of deal. And he brought up this idea of branding it, uh, which I thought was a cool thing. Mm -hmm. So I decided to explore that a little bit, um, developed a brand at the time, which was called Talos Performance, mm -hmm. um, which has since been renamed mm -hmm. to Method Athletics just because it's a little more digestible mm -hmm. um, and started doing the strength and conditioning side. So as I was completing my schoolwork uh, in physical therapy, I, I was observing the way that physical therapy works as uh, part of the healthcare system and how reimbursement works and then the quality of care. And it was something that just didn't align with my stubborn persistence for high quality of hmm. care. So uh, you can ask anyone that I know, I'm an incredibly stubborn person, <laughs> hard-headed uh, mm -hmm. to the point of, uh, or almost to a fault at some at some times, but it's what has driven me to open up my own practice. I just couldn't be a part of something that I thought was failing its patients. And mm -hmm. as of today, I really do think I was talking about this with someone earlier today um, that the healthcare system at its core is failing patients mm -hmm. right now. And I didn't want to be part of the problem. I wanted to be part of the solution. Mm. So that was the main driver for kind of stepping out on my own leg. Uh, but there was always something going on in the background that was driving that as well um, mm. in terms of developing a brand and becoming mm. something bigger than myself. Right. So, And it, it says a lot about your character too is – you being so laser focused on what those challenges are and what those problems are and looking at these things from a different kind of angle and saying, hey, I have an idea of how we might be able to solve this. And you actually paving your own path and taking the road less traveled and actually building your own um, your, your own company that can really address these things and do things that you believe are correct and mm -hmm. right when it comes to treating a patient um, and getting them the help they need. That's huge, man. Yeah, which I think... A big, um, I guess a lot of people sometimes ask me, hey, how did you end up in this position? And we're talking mm -hmm. about this now. But uh, the the big point is to just pay attention, mm. like pay attention to the things around you, figure out how things are working, ask questions why, mm -hmm. you know, I I walk into now at this point, um, having opened up a business myself, I walk into a business and I'm looking at the the decorum around me and the operations yeah. yeah and and even a restaurant and i look around and i'm like man this costs so much money to get started like, mm -hmm. what kind of capital did this person yep. need how are they managing their employees mm -hmm. that type of dynamic where if you're starting to think about these things and you're going to end up in that position anyways 
paying attention goes a really long mm -hmm. way. And I even see that too, working with my clients and my athletes, the ones that are paying attention are the ones that are getting results. Mm -hmm. So you don't even have to be a business owner to start paying attention to the things around you. Right. And it sounds so stupid and simple to do, but if mm -hmm. you're reminding yourself, ask questions and pay attention, mm -hmm. that's 50% of the battle right there. Yeah. I mean, that that tactic goes so far for anybody, whether you are a physical therapist or trying to start your own business, or you're just trying to elevate your potential and just be better as a human being. I talked about this yesterday with a, another guest that we had, and we had talked about, um, you know, when I mentor some startup founders, one of the first pieces of advice I tell them right off the bat before they get any momentum going with their business or whatever it is they wanna do, number one is be teachable, be malleable and understand that you don't know everything. Mm -hmm. And that feeds so, you know, so closely into what you're saying about being able to be okay with asking a lot of questions and being intentional about paying attention and looking at the right kinds of things that matter because too often we just kind of let these things go by. Mm -hmm. And the more we can be in tune with that, the more it really propels us forward with many different aspects of who we are as human beings. And I think that's huge. Yeah. I, like you said, stay teachable in, in sports, it's called stay coachable. Okay. But coachable. it's, yeah. I mean, at its core, it's just acknowledging that you don't know everything. Mm -hmm. And they always say that the most ignorant people in the room are the loudest. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes it, it's helpful to stay back and kind of formulate your own opinion, mm -hmm. pay attention to things. And then, and then from there, is when you can kind of assert yourself and talk. Right. Um, but I found that um, claiming to know everything or thinking you know everything usually bites you in the butt in the end. Oh, so, always, yeah. always. And I think especially if you're young too, it's such a great practice to really start instilling in yourself because that's the kind of stuff that is going to really propel you forward once you enter college or enter the workforce or anything. Um, it can really be a game changer for who you are as an employee or as a business owner or just as a person. Mm -hmm. It's massive. And now when it came to physical therapy in general, what was the, 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 passion or like where did this come from as far as wanting to actually pursue a career in this field and actually help people live better and help people get back on their feet and help them understand what they need to do um, differently to uh, you know understand what's going on with their body and how they can really improve it like where did this all come mm -hmm. from so I think the the reason why I'm a physical therapist has a whole lot to do kind of with your mission as mm -hmm. well with youth development uh, going back to my experiences in high school so um, movement at, at its core, uh, is what has given me self-confidence mm. going through middle school and high school. I was, you know, red hair, kind of a chubby kid. So mm -hmm. I got bullied, uh, rather frequently. And a lot of it was to do with, um, the local neighborhood that I was in. So it was a stressful environment to get on the bus and get called names and mm -hmm. be made fun of, and then get back on the bus to go home. Same thing. Uh, so what, movement had done for me was I decided to pour a little bit of my energy into some self-improvement. Mm. I started working out in my basement doing P90X body weight <laughs> workouts, which reflecting on now, it's like, man, I completely wasted some of my time. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a confidence booster. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the confidence to walk into a gym and start exercising. I didn't have someone in my life that was going to provide me with that expertise or guide me along that route of being in a gym and working out. So at the time, 
watching a video and following along with the video in my basement with nobody there judging me was mm-hmm. the best case scenario. So it took me about a year of that, uh, which was my junior slash senior year in high school. Uh, so I lost a ton of weight. I became this really skinny, skinny kid um, and decided once I got in college, I needed to start getting stronger. Mm-hmm. So by then I had a little bit more confidence. So I was able to go into a gym terrified first off just by the environment in the first place. And this was a commercial gym, Mm -hmm. um, probably the least intimidating gym environment there is and, uh, managed to learn a lot more about strength training. And from there, it was really just a pursuit of knowledge. So I didn't want to stop at being a personal trainer or being a strength coach, I wanted to keep going further and further and see what could I really do with that. Mm-hmm. And the other component was helping people through pain. Mm-hmm. So physical therapy for me is kind of that blend of both worlds where I can teach and educate people about movement and giving them the power to uh, improve themselves and gain some more confidence while at the same time helping them with pain mm-hmm. too. Uh, that's another reason why I opened up my practice was because I could kind of follow people through that entire um, spectrum of from pain to strength training mm-hmm. where they can get done with their rehab and then they can continue to build themselves mm-hmm. up beyond that point of, I don't have pain anymore. Now let's see if we can get you stronger mm-hmm. doing the same thing. So mm-hmm. that's that's kind of how I ended up uh, on the physical therapy side, but at its core, the passion is, is, is really movement because mm-hmm. that's what gave me confidence. That's what allowed me to kind of formulate my personality uh, as I grow uh, grew into an adult. Um, it's really, it, I, I say at some points it saved my life. It really mm-hmm. did because there was some really dark days um, in high school that was related to issues with self-confidence mm-hmm. and exercise kind of gave me that confidence. Yeah. So It's fascinating too when you look back to those early years before while you were still in high school and how you began to put an emotion that practice that you just mentioned about of learning to pay close attention to these things and it seems like you were pretty in tune with like what you wanted to pay more attention to what you needed to work on and what that sort where that source of confidence could be coming from or what could come from and you really took that step and took that plunge into really doing what you could to elevate yourself and uh, focus more heavily on improving yourself and you have to start somewhere Mm -hmm. even if it's p90x or whatever it is you have to start somewhere and i think confidence in general is um, it's a very broad term but you know you've when it comes to our physical wellness and going to the gym and all that you hit on it it's an incredibly daunting thing to do to take that first step i mean this was the first year i think i started going to the gym pretty like i wouldn't say i I was going like at least three days a week Mm -hmm. so it was like massive for me because as someone who like did not like work out at all in college this was a big step for me but i remember even though like I'd consider myself to be pretty confident in who I am, something about going to that gym, I just couldn't get my wrap my mind around. And so what I would start doing is I'd go to the gym without my glasses or my contacts. Really? So I couldn't really see, I, I played this game in my head where like I couldn't see their judgment yep. or feel it or anything. It helped, but it would be nice to figure out what steps I need to take to actually start working on that confidence. And I know this has been something we've talked about in the past too. What advice or what would you say to someone, especially in your situation when you were in high school, of just trying to figure out how to win that confidence back um, and take that step towards putting your health first? Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a couple things to touch up on there. The first being um, that even identifying exercise as a form of boosting like confidence like Mm -hmm. you said it's a broad word but um 
there, especially in, in younger populations, I'm, mm -hmm. and you correct me if I'm wrong, but this is my opinion. Uh, in younger populations, you don't have a whole lot of control over what's going on in your life. Mm -hmm. If you're living at home with your parents, you're in high school, you go to school, that's an obligation. You do your homework, that's an obligation. You do your chores, that's an obligation. These are all things that you don't have control over whether or not you're doing. I mean, to an extent you do, mm -hmm. but there isn't a whole lot of opportunity to explore hobbies and passions unless you're provided that opportunity. So exercise is one way that you can kind of have control mm. over something. And I think that's why for for younger people, you see that a lot where that's a facet of their life that they can control and that helps give confidence as well. But you even see that for older people too. So mm -hmm. people who are stuck in a job that they don't like, uh, they exercise is their outlet because they have control over exercise. I mean, it's them that decides how much weight are you lifting in the gym that day mm -hmm. or, you know, how far are you running? How far are you cycling? What's your, your personal best, that sort of mm -hmm. deal. So um, that to me is kind of where the confidence comes from mm. is not looking better or even mm -hmm. feeling better. It's really just having some sort of mm. control and outlet, uh, at least for me. Mm -hmm. And I know plenty of people who do get confidence out of looking better and feeling better, mm -hmm. but at a certain point it runs out mm -hmm. That's <laughs> where sure. you're, you're just never going to be happy with, mm -hmm. uh, with how you look in the mirror. There's plenty of bodybuilders out there mm -hmm. that people aspire to look like mm -hmm. and they still aren't happy with how they mm -hmm. look. So for me, it's, it's that control aspect of, Hey, this is what I, get to control mm. in that day. And at the very least I get this. Yeah. Um, when it comes to taking that first step to get into the gym, I think the thing to remember is that, and I've had plenty of conversations about this, uh, within the past week. So opening up method power gym, uh, it's a gym built for athletes and powerlifters and Olympic weightlifters. So, uh, there isn't a whole lot of powerlifting gyms in the area, mm -hmm. uh, or there aren't rather. And so when we opened uh, this place up, we had powerlifters coming in that are really big guys. They mm. deadlift five, 600 pounds. They squat the same amount. Mm -hmm. um, they're intimidating looking people. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing is, is that they're not intimidating personality wise whatsoever. Right. They're probably the nicest person you could possibly walk up to in the gym and ask a question about. Mm -hmm. um, so I was having conversations with uh, some of my high school athletes that are training with me in Method Athletics mm -hmm. right next door. And they're seeing these big hulking dudes walk into Method Power Gym. And to me, they don't look like big hulking dudes, um, not because I'm big as well, because the, compared to them, I'm not. It's just because I know them personally. So mm -hmm. I, I would never be intimidated by them because they're a big teddy mm -hmm. bear on the inside. So I think that's one one thing to just remember in your head as you're going into any of these spaces is that everyone in that space is there for the same reason. Mm. Everyone is there because they want to get better physically. Mm. They're all you all have the same goal. Mm -hmm. um, so to walk in and think that are, there's people in there that have already met their goals and they're just there to maintain, that's almost never the case. Hmm. There's everyone in there is unhappy with where they are and not like devastatingly unhappy, but they're not satisfied yet. Mm -hmm. um, so to remember that when you're going to the gym that you're there for the same reason everybody else is, yeah. that makes things a lot easier. Mm -hmm. um, and same thing with these big hulking guys that my high schoolers are intimidated by. It's, mm -hmm. it's like they're, they're teddy bears on the inside and they're probably where they are now because they started with some sort of insecurity that has mm -hmm. driven them to where they are today. Right. Um, so it's, it's a lot less intimidating once you get to know the people, but that's a hard part is mm -hmm. getting to know the people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And sometimes that starts by just asking a question, yep. you know, and as you said earlier, I think 
being able to and being willing to ask a question um, really can open the door for so many amazing things because I think for all of us, we want to be of assistance. We want to help. We want to, I think we find meaning when people do reach out to us and they do ask us a question about whatever it is. Um, you know, if I was at the gym and I came up to you and I asked you a question about um, your form or what I can do better or anything like that you like that you enjoy that because you find a unique sense of meaning and a mm -hmm. unique sense of purpose and being able to take the knowledge that you have and now give it away in, in, in such a way and you mentioned earlier too about how sometimes when it comes to confidence we can really find that and grab a hold of it when we learn to take responsibility for some areas of our life and i think fitness is such a great example of it and there's so much more to that too when you take a moment to really think to yourself, what are those key things in my life that I, I can have some control over? Because I think too often we waste too much energy and too much time on the things that we can't control. Mm -hmm. We dwell way too often on that. And if we can shift that mentality a little bit and begin to uh, allocate a lot of that energy and that time towards the things that we can, um, it really goes far. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am an incredibly anxious person. Mm -hmm. um, not so much anxiety, like social anxiety anymore. I used to have a ton of it. But mm -hmm. Uh, I do worry often about mm -hmm. things related to the business, related to relationships, that sort of mm -hmm. thing. And uh, sometimes what helps me the most is asking myself the question, one, do can I change the outcome of this? Mm -hmm. And then if I can't, then why am I even worrying about it? Because the outcome can't be changed regardless. And then two, if I can change the outcome of it, what's the worst case scenario? Mm -hmm. So say something goes wrong, what's the worst case scenario look like? And if the worst case scenario isn't all that bad, then why should I be mm -hmm. worrying about it, that as well? Mm -hmm. um, so like you said, it's, it's taking responsibility for things and controlling what you can control and then just letting what you can't control, let it ride. Mm -hmm. um, and the other component to that too that's popping up in my head is just acting within kind of your moral faculties mm -hmm. as well. So doing the right thing, uh, as long as you've done the right thing, if the outcome isn't what you wanted it to be, you can at the very least rely on that, mm -hmm. uh, especially as a business owner too. You, you make decisions um, that could be for uh, the lack of benefit, we mm -hmm. could say, for your patients. So for me, I work with patients. I'm a healthcare practitioner. Mm -hmm. And there are decisions out there that are made by hospitals and clinics that aren't in the best interest of their patients mm -hmm. because it makes them more money. Mm -hmm. So my perspective at least is, listen, I'm going to make the decision that's best for my patients, even though mm -hmm. it might not be financially the greatest thing for me mm -hmm. and it should come around in the end. And if it doesn't at the very least, that's what I can fall back on to say, Hey, I did the right thing ethically, morally. That's right. Sort of deal. Right. And I think it's amazing to see how that outlook really did feed into you starting um, Method Athletics and Method Power Gym too, because you recognize the fact that I don't necessarily agree with what's going on over here, you know, within healthcare. And, you know, if I were to just kind of pursue that path, you're obviously, you may be working underneath someone where you just, you don't have that control of being able to be part of the solution. You were mm -hmm. like, no, I'm going to actually pave my own path. I'm going to have control of this thing and I'm going to do what I believe is right. And it's amazing to see how it did unfold into your career and all the work that you're doing now yeah because i think too often we just um i don't know we, we, we allow life just to happen um episode number two is about being the architect of your reality um, we have so much control about what we can do with our life but we put so many heavy li limitations on us and it's unfortunate to see that it does 
prevent us from achieving the things that we are capable of achieving. Mm -hmm. Um, there, there's so much good within who we are and there's so much purpose within who we are and there's so much work to be done in this world that too often we just don't get around to it because we set these heavy limitations on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, when you think back to like high school Gavin, you know, if you were, you were like coaching someone who is going through a similar situation, that age reminded you of yourself, what, what, advice would you give them during those like seasons of their life? Um, I know it's a kind of a heavy question, but I, I'm always curious now to see that now that you are kind of older in a way and that you have learned, you found confidence and you actually went out there and you're building something, you've built something. What, what advice would you give to a, a younger student who might be struggling um, in the same kind of way you did to seek out and succeed in uncomfortable situations? Mm. So for, for me at the time, um, a lot of it was social anxiety. Mm -hmm. uh, having conversations with other people was difficult. Um, I distinctly remember uh, going into like a subway to order uh, order food. And mm -hmm. at I remember there was one day where that interaction uh, with whoever was making the food, it sounds so ridiculous, mm -hmm. but whoever was making the food was, was a positive one um, mm -hmm. where I was able to... Um, I didn't feel anxious during that conversation with someone. And I said, Hey, you know what? This is a step forward because prior to that, I would have tons mm -hmm. of anxiety every time I had a conversation with someone, cause I'd be worried about what they were thinking about. Mm -hmm. me. Um, so after walking away from that positive interaction, I decided to keep putting myself in that situation. Mm -hmm. Like you're not going to get better at something without getting practice in. Mm -hmm. So for me, I started to seek out, an uncomfortable situation mm -hmm. talking to other people mm -hmm. <laughs> and eventually I got better at it mm -hmm. and I still do to this day like have anxiety talking about other people or talking to other people worrying about what they think about me mm -hmm. you know if you meet someone new everybody has that to an extent mm -hmm. but it's not nearly as much of a worry uh, so I started implementing that concept into other facets of my life mm. Uh, hey, this would be tricky to do. Let's see if I can do it. So just jump in and see if you sink, see if you swim. Right. Uh, because if you fail and you learn something from it, you've you've succeeded in the mm -hmm. end. Uh, if you fail and you don't learn something from it, that's when you've truly failed. Mm -hmm. So I I think uh, I think young people in particular are afraid of failure, um, some more than others. And because uh, a component of it is parenting styles as well. Mm -hmm. um, some parents want to see their children succeed and they will do everything they can to make sure that their children succeed at mm -hmm. everything. And for some of those kids, they reach a point in their life where they're not going to succeed at something and they really have a hard time dealing with that. Mm -hmm. uh, so obviously you don't want to keep throwing roadblocks in the way of your children, right. but I think learning to deal with failure and learning to put yourself in situations where you might fail or mm -hmm. you're likely to fail is a is a skill and mm -hmm. it's an incredibly valuable life skill mm -hmm. um for me it, opening the business was without a doubt a position where i could fail that's why i told you that caveat mm -hmm. like listen i'm still within a year of the business being mm -hmm. open it still very much could fail because mm -hmm. if i don't have that in the back of my head then i'm not going to put the legwork in to make sure that it right. succeeds right um so that i there's tons of different blanket sayings you can put on it, but in reality, it's just putting yourself in situations where you need to grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the most uncomfortable circumstances are typically are always going to lead to the most growth. And yes, they are very frightening, and 
they're very it's very uneasy going to those situations but when you choose to actually pursue them with the right kind of intention usually there's always going to be a positive outcome even if you know maybe it doesn't go according to plan or you know that maybe this isn't a good avenue to take in life or whatever the case is you know fact of the matter is you learn something you at least developed a better sense of understanding of who you are and that that's not for you mm -hmm. um, i know for me personally when i started public speaking i did not I, I did not like speaking in front of people and so it was always just like hard for me to figure out how to be the best speaker I could be. And the more I would put myself in those uncomfortable situations, the more I understood how I need to carry myself when I walk on stage, how mm -hmm. I carry myself during Q&A, how I engage with the audience and all these things. And I had some horrible speaking events early on. Like I did say things that I definitely shouldn't have said mm -hmm. just because I wasn't thinking, but you have to fail forward. You know, again, with the, you know, social anxiety in itself too, now that I'm thinking about it, you know, like those early years of speaking, I could definitely see how it did bleed into you know being on stage which i think is completely understandable for anyone that is pursuing a yeah. career in public speaking but it just it's crazy how social anxiety is so um, ingrained in so many young people and just so many people in general we're always thinking about what the other person's gonna say about us or what they're thinking yep. about us even just like going to networking events or things like that can be so so intimidating um yep. but it's a matter of choosing to put yourself in those uncomfortable situations you know and that's i mean it I think everyone has some sort mm -hmm. of extent of social anxiety. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's a matter of right. one, how you're dealing with it, or two, just how bad it is yeah. as well. I mean, it's um, it's one of those things where it I'm, you can't really put it in a box. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. and I think that was the problem I had was where I had social anxiety in certain situations, and I believe that was it, and this is yep. this is how it is. I think we do that with a lot of things, yep. you know, as we just put things in a box and assume that's it and that's how it is. But we have to understand and be willing to admit that it can bleed into other areas of our life, and we have to be aware of that and be in tune with it. Yeah. Well, and that's who we are as people, too, yeah. is that, I mean, in general, like, even going back to the concept of going into the gym and walking up to the biggest guy there and asking him mm -hmm. for help on how to squat, yeah. you know, or how to deadlift, uh, everyone at their core is acting in what they believe is the best decision mm -hmm. and everyone in their at their core wants to be liked right they, there aren't i mean there's always the one-off situations mm -hmm. where somebody says i don't care if that person doesn't like me but that's because they've already established a relationship with that mm -hmm. person but we as people want to be liked by strangers mm -hmm. like that's just human nature that's how it is um the other component of, of, of human nature is that we always think that we're acting in best interest. So mm -hmm. when we talk about um, opinions or views mm -hmm. on things and uh, is that when you're having conversations with someone else that has a differing opinion than mm -hmm. you, um, not even on a political standpoint, mm -hmm. we can talk about like a, a, a practitioner, a practitioner mm -hmm. standpoint or even just someone else in the gym that trains a way different than I do. Um, you have to appeal to the other side when you're having an argument with someone. Right. And by an argument, I don't mean like yelling at each other. I mean a debate mm -hmm. talking about this is why I think what I'm doing is right. And this is why I'm thinking, or mm -hmm. this is why I think what I think is right mm -hmm. uh, is you have to appeal to the other side and figure out why is this person thinking that they're in the right here? Mm -hmm. Why do I think I'm in the right? And then how can we converse with each other in a way that, mm -hmm says, Hey, this is why I think I'm right. Do you think I'm right too? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it says that no, <laughs> right. But I, not to detract. I think that's one thing is that 
if you just keep those couple things in your head, it helps you interact with people better, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, people in general like to be liked and mm -hmm. then, uh, conversing with people in terms of, uh, points of conflict right. is understanding that nobody thinks that they're doing the bad thing mm -hmm. in, in a situation or yeah. at least very, very, very few people do. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's, it's cool to see how much you do learn about yourself. The more you do put yourself in these uncomfortable situations and the more you do begin to confront um, these challenging parts of who we are as human beings rather than um, allowing it to define us actually going out there and removing these limitations and taking control and um, seeing what can happen um, you know it's amazing to see what can really happen with our lives when we choose to take initiative so when it comes to the past few months for you, especially as a business owner, what's what's I mean, I'm sure the entire thing in general has been incredibly challenging. But um, how have you been navigating this, especially as a business owner? How has this um, taken a toll on you or what have you been learning? Um, because obviously it's it's a baby as a company, but it's still incredibly impressive to see what you have accomplished in such a short period of time. You know, what are some key things as a new business owner that you've been learning or navigating during this very interesting time. Um, I think on the the things that are popping in my head specifically are are more business related mm -hmm. things like uh, kind of logistical things. Of course, um, making sure that technology I'm leveraging mm -hmm. um, to my benefit to save on costs. But mm -hmm. uh, as a whole picture, it's really kind of managing how much I am working, and mm -hmm. I'm sure you can relate that. Yep, to that too, where you need to create. And everybody says it, but it's so difficult to do, especially when you're the one in control of whether mm -hmm. or not you're working. Um, there's that guilt that comes with not working, and then there's the guilt that comes with working too much. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's just finding that balance. And I think that's one thing that really helped me out over the past several months, especially with the opening up of the gym, was I was doing literally everything. Mm -hmm. I was a I was a one man show mm -hmm. for with Method Athletics for. I mean, the entire four months of operation, and then now we're nearing, what is that, uh, eight months in total of being open. Mm -hmm. So four or five months of operation, and then eight months of being open. Um, was just doing everything myself and not being able to delegate. Right. We were talking about this before mm -hmm. we started up. Um, and part of it at the time was financially not being able to delegate. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the money to pay someone to come in and mm -hmm. clean the floor. So what I was doing was... Sunday nights, mm -hmm. mopping and cleaning the floors and spraying the disinfectant down on the turf. And I'm an incredibly clean person. Mm -hmm. So it took a long time to do that. Um, the other components were uh, interactions with customers. Uh, so I was, I was doing all of it, mm -hmm. uh, working 12 hour days, seven days a week. And thankfully, what Power Gym did for me was it allowed me to, I needed to hire front desk people for next door over there. So now I could almost repurpose them uh, to help out with method mm -hmm. athletics as well. So in their downtime, they could clean or address, right. you know, orientations with new clients, that sort of deal. Uh, so it really wasn't something that was a change in philosophy or a change in direction. It was just a, a change in the business that allowed me to take advantage of mm. a problem that I had. And the problem that I had was I was working too much. Mm -hmm. uh, so now I finally have set hours mm -hmm. in the day. And, and that's the thing is everybody says, and there's a whole lot of um, like business or personal development gurus that say, listen, you need to plan out your day minute by minute, or you need to plan out your day hour by hour um, and make sure that there is a separation of personal and work life. And, 
yes i i mean duh <laughs> like you need to do those things but sometimes you can't you yeah. really can't and that's when a lot of your decision making comes into play is you need to look at it and say can i deal with this for a while mm-hmm. or do i need to get out of it mm-hmm. and make a decision and and there it, there's too much of the obvious mm-hmm. being pointed out on social media and uh it's just one of those things that comes with experience. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of goes through that problem solving mindset. Mm-hmm. And it's really how quickly can you problem solve, mm-hmm. uh, especially as a business owner. Is, that's all is, your job is really yes, is, once you get it going. It's, yep. That's it. Is learning how to do things quickly and learning new things. I mean, even looking around too, like it, I know breaking the fourth wall here, but just the room that you have going on here, mm-hmm. it, everything you've, you've taught yourself how to do all of these things. Right. Nobody sat you down and said, Hey, this is how you run a podcast and this is the equipment mm-hmm. you need. And this is how, uh, you record and mm-hmm. do all these sorts of things. Nobody sat me down and said, right. listen, this is how overhead works. And this is how you need to get your back end systems aligned and mm-hmm. do all these sorts of things. It was just learning. Right. You know, putting yourself out and figuring out, okay, is this going to work or is it not going to work? And how long does it take you to do that? Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's, it's, again, it's one of those sink or swim things. Yeah. It's massive. The, the experience that you gain through starting anything, um, even just during college, uh, cause I had started forever you, um, earlier on, I probably had more experience than anybody that was going through any level of internship or employment or anything. And even till this day, I'm, 24 now, but I've probably covered a lot more ground. I at least, you know, have had a lot more experience and most people that are maybe in their late twenties, thirties, and same with you, like because of the experiences that you have, you get exposed to so many different challenges and experiences and moments. Like, um, you had shared just like understanding the back end of how to operate a company or, um, how do you start a podcast? How do you do that? How do you find balance or all these things? Like, no one ever taught us. It was just literally showing up each and every day, giving it our very best. And if the world punched us in our mouth that day, we get back up and we learn from it and we keep moving forward until you've actually navigated and been through it. You know, like I've learned that one of my biggest pet peeves is when people tell me I work too much or mm-hmm. I work too hard. You know, I'm trying to be more intentional about um, finding that balance each day or at least trying to categorize my day in such a way where maybe I got some me time. Maybe this is the hour I'm doing emails and Mm -hmm. this is the time I'm doing more creative work. It's all a work in progress. I still haven't figured it out. Um, You know, I try and have like a personal goal of like I have to leave the office by sunset. Yep. Yep. still struggle with that it's oh, hard yeah. man well and it's different strokes for different folks i mm-hmm. mean for me i can't if i schedule out my day nothing gets done mm-hmm. um whereas other people really thrive in that environment mm-hmm. where they need structure and for me structure is my downfall mm-hmm. um but the other component of it too like you said is it really bothers you when people tell you you're working too much when i'm having a conversation with someone and there's some sort of topic of debate and they say listen you just don't understand that pisses me off mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's like okay then help me understand mm-hmm. exactly um, if you that's that's part of the human experience is that we need to be able to relate information mm-hmm. to one each other mm-hmm. so if you just tell someone you don't understand or you'll never understand mm-hmm. or you're not in my position, help me understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that kind of has helped me in my relationships is that I, because I was that person at mm-hmm. time thinking in my head when somebody was telling me uh, I'm working too much, I'm thinking in my head, you don't get it. You mm-hmm. just don't get it. You're not in the position right. that I am. 
but the solution there was exemplifying them. Mm -hmm. You know, here's here's what I had to do today, and this is why I didn't have the time to right. do it. And sometimes you even break that down for yourself, and you're like, hold on, I did have time to be done at the right. time I said. I, right. I can work more efficiently. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so just taking the time to mm -hmm. I mean, prove yourself to yeah. other people can be helpful yeah, as well. Yeah, totally. And it's also funny, too, when like I do take initiative and I start scheduling my life in such a way where I do have time for myself and I'll still hear that. I'm like, but I'm really trying, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's so hard, man. And, you know, I think that's one thing too, is we just got to all understand that we're all living just different lives and we have to have perspective with that and seek to understand that. And I think that's what makes a lot of, you know, relationships with people in your circle and those in your corner a lot stronger is when you all understand each other and where each other come from, um, you know, and can take the time to understand that. Um, because it's, it's huge in the long run for what that can really do. Um, so when it comes to, um, the, the next few months, especially for method and all everything that you have going on, like what, what's your long-term objective? What, what do you hope to see for method? Um, you know, moving forward, I know you, you had mentioned, obviously you're not a year old yet, but I still, at least from my outlook and watching your work ethic and everything that you've all, all the passion and heart that you've poured into method and everything that you do to treat your patients um, in the highest regard and highest quality possible. I think it's awesome. And I think it really is foreshadowing something really amazing happening for you and your career with method. So where, where do you hope to be with everything in the next, you know, we could say three to five, 10 years. I, yeah. mean, I know it's a long time, but uh, um, so I already know, well, I can have a guess of where I'm going to be at because mm. I've signed a, a lease. There you go. Yep. <laughs> um, but the, the plan in terms of the business uh, is just to continue to provide a high quality product mm -hmm. uh, without diluting that quality. Mm. Um, as businesses grow, there is always an extent of, of diluting quality. Mm -hmm. And there is that component of delegation where as my business continues to grow, my efforts are going to be needed elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And I can't hire someone to run the business for me, but I can hire someone to work with clients mm -hmm. and treat patients for me. So making sure that I have the right people on board uh, is huge. And hopefully in the future, I can have a couple of therapists working with me um, that share a mindset as well as a drive mm -hmm. um, to help better athletes in the area. Um, the other component would be the gym expanding. That would mm -hmm. be nice. Mm -hmm. uh, that's purely based off of how many people are interested and mm -hmm. want to pay for a membership and come into the facility as well as uh, support the facility in other means. Mm -hmm. So um, the, the hope there would be to continue to grow as there is a need. Mm -hmm. So um, providing a high quality product will drive that growth, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Uh, my business is 80% referrals. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I have to look at the hard data on that again, but I, my guess would be around 80%. Mm -hmm. And if my quality isn't there, as I continue to grow, that percentage is going to become smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. And that means decreased revenue, and that means cutting costs, and that means closing the business down. Mm -hmm. So, Or decreasing <laughs> the quality of what I'm doing even further for the sake mm -hmm. of profit. And then suddenly I've lost what I started with. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it's just going along for the ride mm -hmm. and continuing to do the best that I can mm -hmm. at each step and just seeing what goes from there. Right. Uh, a lot of people talk about a three year and a five year plan. And, um, I, I would go so far as to say, I don't even have one. Mm -hmm. Um, 
mainly because I need to adapt. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to do is stick to my core values. The first time I sat down, I did uh, my last internship with a company in the city that I will be forever thankful for because they've kind of taught me how to practice the way I practice. And I've ta- taken more strength and, condition- and conditioning stuff and put that on top of it. But the first day I sat down and I was handed the sheet of paper with the company's core values and their mission statement and all these sorts of things. And I distinctly remember sitting there thinking to myself, this is just a bunch of hoopla you know mm-hmm. it, it's just stuff that's written down to rally the troops sort mm-hmm. of deal and they were a really small company i asked myself why did they even write this down it's yeah. them and two other therapists mm-hmm. right now or three other therapists um but now i know mm-hmm. I, I thought it was stupid at the time but now i know that if if you don't have your core values written out and you haven't developed a foundation for what you're going to do, then it's not going to guide you as you mm. continue to grow. So, I mean, you got one or two options. You either have a three year or five year plan or you have a set of core values that you're following. Yeah. And stuff that you can stick to as well. Cause I think just as a human beings, it's good to be able to identify what those things are that you can keep yourself grounded in. Cause you brought up a good point too. I mean, the future is so unpredictable, especially in today's world right now, things could drastically change in the next six to 12 months, who knows, you know, and it's, it's a matter of being adaptive as you mentioned, but also be willing to go along for the ride and be teachable, be malleable along the way, ask a lot of questions, recognize the fact that you don't know everything and just do what you can to get the right people in your corner who can help you continue to move forward. And that's why I'm so grateful to like have a friendship with you um, where we can literally just chill out and talk about the challenges that comes with uh, trying to run something or start something and um, the things we're learning and the things we want to improve and you know what we want to achieve. It's such a, such a cool thing, Mm -hmm. you know, before we close out, I'd love to, to, uh, jump back on the area of uh, delegation because I know that that was a big challenge uh, for both of us uh, still is and I think will always be a challenge at times especially when it's your baby that you've built and you've created I think there's a lot there that can really tie into the importance of being okay with asking for help and reaching out and admitting that you can't go through this on your own mm-hmm. have there been any significant lessons that you've learned through um, the time you have with leading method Um, or even with yourself personally when it comes to the importance of reaching out and asking for help, Um, just in general when it comes to being a human being, understanding that we can't achieve these things necessarily on our own and that it is good when we can bring people together and um, bring people into our corner so that we can move forward with what Mm -hmm. we don't want to achieve. So this this isn't going to be the answer that you're looking for, I think, but (laughs) I haven't, and Mm -hmm. that's a problem, Mm -hmm. uh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, and acknowledging the fact that I don't ask for help. And mm-hmm. I, I, and you know, there is times of course that I've asked for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my dad, for instance, mm-hmm. is incredibly handy when mm-hmm. it comes to, uh, creating something out of a couple two by fours and some other material. He's really darn good at it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, obviously I've reached out to him and say, Hey, listen, I need this built. Do you have any ideas? And he'll throw in some help there. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to, reaching out in a significant and a meaningful way, I feel like there are plenty of opportunities where I should have done that Mm -hmm. and I haven't. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something that I need to work on. Mm -hmm. And I think it kind of rounds out really well what we've been talking about too is the back and forth about both of us running the show when it comes to what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of room to fluff each other up and say, Mm -hmm. hey, listen, look at what if all I've done so far, Mm -hmm. I've done this and I've done that. But 
there are things that we still haven't done and there's things <laughs> that we can improve on and big time and grow and that's one of the things so like we've talked mm -hmm. about this whole time is acknowledging weaknesses and improving upon them is huge mm -hmm. so that's that's probably a really good weakness for me to work on is, yeah. is reaching out and asking for help because i do have like an incredible uh, support system mm -hmm. in the people around me that mm -hmm. I don't leverage nearly as much as I should. And part of it is because I don't want to, uh, mm -hmm. that's just the type of person I am. Mm -hmm. I'm stubborn and I'll, I'll work myself into the ground before mm -hmm. I say something's not working. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are times where I need to not do that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, I mean, after all the shows all about self-discovery, so it's good that even like our guests, you know, and even myself too, that every episode I've been walking away with something where I'm like, oh, that's an area that I haven't really paid a lot of attention to, or this is an area that I really need to acknowledge because I think I'm definitely in the same boat as you are where I like to tell myself that I'm a decent delegator, but I, I'm definitely not, mm -hmm. um, you know, and just being able to um, recognize what those areas are that maybe I'm not the greatest at or I need to improve or whatever it is. I know um, I, I've heard many say that it is good to obviously focus on your strengths, but also recognize your weaknesses and see if you can improve them or whatever, mm -hmm. or just acknowledge that they're there and find the right people that you can get in your corner or, yep. uh, to join in on your efforts and um, put them kind of in that role. I mean, it, but it's hard. It, it's it's an ongoing challenge. And I think that's something that obviously by having the right people um, that we can talk through these things with and just have friendships like the, the one that you and I have where we're kind of on this ride together and we're learning things and we're growing um, in all kinds of ways. It's really exciting to see what can come from confronting this stuff and addressing these, these areas of our life. Because as you said earlier, and is a very common theme in the show is the importance of being malleable, being mm -hmm. teachable and understanding the fact that, that we don't always know everything and that's okay. Yeah. Um, Cause I think too often, if we try and perfect every area of our life, we really lose ourselves in the process of it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, man, yeah, yeah. it's, and it's a challenge setting ego aside. Uh, I, I mean, you look at a case study mm -hmm. myself, you know, when I was doing P90X in the basement, yep. could I have reached out and asked for help from someone mm -hmm. that knows better than I do? Right. Yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. And yeah. that would have put me miles ahead, mm -hmm. but a, a stubborn persistence or a lack of confidence to ask mm -hmm. those sorts of barriers prevented me mm -hmm. from uh accelerating that mm -hmm. process mm -hmm. um so I, I like you said just taking um taking the time to reflect mm. and grow a little bit mm -hmm. when it when it comes to your weaknesses and that sort of thing so I know I'll be doing that as I walk out of here, as cheesy as that sounds. <laughs> no, um, you and I'll I both. be taking the time to, you know, say, hey, listen, who can I ask for help on this part um, and see if there's there's a way to allow that person to grow into a position that I need as mm -hmm. well because there's people out there that I'm in contact with mm -hmm. that are looking for some sort of opportunity mm -hmm. to grow into a position. And, it, and I've always been wanting to provide that and hey, mm -hmm. maybe saying, listen, can you help out with this small part first? Mm -hmm. That'll help them grow into that position. So awesome. What would you say uh, as our closeout question for mm -hmm. uh, many of our guests is like the foundational layer behind who you are and what you do, like the mission behind Gavin Weir. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say that is? Like, I, I think it all goes back to that putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation. Mm. I've just I, in all honesty, I've just come to kind of relish that. Mm. Uh, to do something that even I've told myself I can't do or other people have told myself that I can't do is just prove them wrong. Mm -hmm. um, 
like I said, at times is a fault, but mm -hmm. that really at its core is the type of person that I am is that I want to do things that I don't think I can do mm -hmm. um, and put myself in uncomfortable situations. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of become my mantra. Yeah. Uh, is sink or swim, just right. jump in. And the more you're doing that too, the more you begin to exemplify it. And I think the more you exemplify it, the more curiosity you stir up for others. Mm -hmm. So like, why does Gavin continue to, um, you know, elevate himself or continue to put himself in these situations? It's because there's a, there's an intention there. It's because you are going to consistently keep evolving because mm -hmm. you know that the more you do put yourself in these situations, the more you're going to, you're going to learn more about who you are as Gavin Weir. And I think that's an incredible, uh, um, mantra to have. And I think that's an incre incredible outlook to have, um, especially in the space that you are, but just as a human being. And I think that's something we can all learn from and hopefully all uh, grab a hold of and maybe even try implementing into our life is the importance of being okay or being willing or being intentional intentional about uh, putting yourself in these uncomfortable situations um, can be huge. Yep. So after everything that we've discussed today with some parts of your story and what's led to the work that you're doing today with method what would you say is kind of the bottom line of a lot of our conversations some sort of summary of um that we can leave listeners with if you will mm -hmm. um thinking about it it's really probably just um finding those opportunities for growth hmm. by self-reflection hmm. um and seeking out opportunities to grow. Obviously I just said that, but, okay. um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It to me, it seems like this conversation that we, mm -hmm. we've just had, mm -hmm. it all was about the bottom line, mm -hmm. you know, not mm -hmm. to repeat myself, but, mm -hmm. uh, it, ties together. It, it, it really ties together. Well, um, where there's plenty of, there's always an opportunity for growth out there. And, as long as you're seeking out, you will grow. Awesome. And the caveat as well is mm -hmm. there's plenty of failures that I've had. Yes. <laughs> even very recent failures. I'm yeah. sitting on a $1,500 floor cleaner that isn't working oh, in, no. in the gym right now. What a so bummer. that was a mistake. Yeah. Got to try to sell that. Mm -hmm. But it, again, it's like you make decisions. You, mm -hmm. Sometimes they're not the right decisions. As, and as long as you try to find a way to recover from it or mm -hmm. learn from it, uh, you go from there. Heck yeah. Got to fail forward and grow through it when you can. Yep. And then lastly, for our listeners, we like to leave them with some sort of achievable or realistic mm -hmm. action step so that after listening to this episode or just after listening to this podcast, um, we can be a show that's about action where mm -hmm. you can take uh, or where hopefully you can be inspired and moved by the story of whoever we had on the show. But then after it, maybe go out there and do something that helps you elevate yourself um, and really helps you on your journey of self-discovery. So what, what would be a realistic or um, achievable action step relevant to some of the stuff we talked about today for listeners so uh for me the action step uh is to write out a plan and acknowledge that it's a marathon not a sprint mm -hmm. pretty much every goal that someone aspires to to reach mm -hmm. is a long-term goal no i mean there's always the short term where hey tomorrow i want to mm -hmm. do this but um take just take the next step that's that's it just mm -hmm. just do it i mean there write out your plan and if a plan's written out and you know the route to get there or at least what direction to head in, just take that step going in it um, and do it. Don't say, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Don't say, I'm going to do it two hours from now. If you're listening and you're thinking about, hey, that's what I want to do, find the next step and do it. Mm -hmm. I, that's that's the hardest part is everybody will delay as long as mm -hmm. they can delay, and myself included. Mm -hmm. Awesome. How can people stay in touch with you? 
Um, so staying in touch with me uh, through one of my many Instagram pages mm -hmm. uh, right now, probably the best would be at Method Athletics on Instagram. Uh, feel free to shoot me a direct message. Uh, if you've, if something that you've listened to resonates with you, reach out to me. Mm -hmm. um, so that Method Athletics page, as well as the Method Power Gym page, both go to me. Uh, the, method, the Method Athletics page will always go to me. The Method Power Gym probably will go to my staff eventually. But uh, if you want to reach out to me directly, the most or the easiest way to do mm -hmm. so is through the Instagram page. Um, my email as well is Gavin, uh, G-A-V-I-N at methodathletics.com. So shoot, uh, shoot me an email if anything resonated with you and you want to have a conversation about it. I'm busy, but available. Very cool. Awesome. Well, Gavin, uh, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to be part of the show and what we're doing over here at Recalibrate and being so willing to share your startup story with us and uh, things that you've learned along the way, especially when it comes to um, the startup story behind Method and how it was rooted in this uh, this search for uh, finding that confidence, but also being able to position yourself in such a way where you can really take control of some areas of your life and really discover some new things about who you are and what you can really achieve in the world by just buckling down and going after it. And um, I cannot wait to see what the future unholds for Method and for you. Um, I'm really grateful to know you and be able to just go through this startup journey with someone who's been there, who is there. And uh, we all need the, those people in our life that can help us um, continue to propel forward, continue to move forward and continue to be um, courageous with being in the startup scene and everything else going on. But I just thank you for your heart, uh, you know, and the passion that you have for the space you're in. Um, like I said, I cannot wait to see what the future unholds, un unfolds for you. And I hope to have you on again in the near future. And uh, just thank you again so much. Thank you so much for listening into the Recalibrate podcast. And we will see you guys next time. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Recalibrate Podcast. Again, if you found value in this episode, please stay in touch with me on social media and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can be the first to know about future episodes. As always, I challenge you to dream boldly. I challenge you to invest into yourself wisely. I challenge you to try and try again. I challenge you to keep showing up. Remember that you are capable of remarkable things. Please don't let anyone or anything prevent you from seeing that.